0: Shall we stand? Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are true and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant, covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Amen.
1: That, that is true, you know, that's from the Shetz, the Shema, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, but you are, you are the God creator, and look at all that you've done, and I know that as we are here this morning, and we've got that big prayer request in Myanmar about Joel trying to get his, his kids and, and stuff uh, to a safe country, and, and all of that's going on, and I know that in each life, there's a lot going on we're here to worship and praise you because you're our resource you you are the one that intervenes on our behalf and if you just take a moment and think about what god has done for you and you can think your whole life you can think this year you can think this week today already and lord we're here to to worship you so we do pray that you'd speak to us in jesus name amen Say hello to someone, maybe you don't know.
2: know. As
1: as we think about our God and uh, all the things that happen in life, we realize that uh, you know this is what we need. This song, yeah, "Peace Like a River," this is not "Peace Like a River." This is "It Is Well with My Soul." Remember, it was written by uh, <coughs> I forget who Horatio Stafford. and uh, he had sent his family, uh, I think, from England to America on a boat, and somewhere in uh, in that think the boat sank and he lost he lost part of his family and um, and then he he came over in a boat and, and they told him kind of where it happened and while he was there he wrote this hymn and uh, so you talk about heartache and you talk about difficulties uh, but, but I, what I like about it as well with my soul is no matter what circumstance we are going through in life if it is well with your soul it is well okay. <laughs>
2: when peace. <laughs> Change
1: If everything that we have read and sung so far is, is true, if, uh <clears throat> if you are the only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if truly you give peace, you know, Christ has died for our sin, our sin, oh, what bless of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Lord, and we think about if, that, if that's true, then it truly is well with our soul. And so whatever Satan throws at us, whatever life throws at us, whatever circumstances happen to fall across our path, that we know, obviously, our Heavenly Father is sovereign in, in his providential care. Nothing happens outside of his doing we know there's a reason and in being well with our soul is what keeps us going and <clears throat> if that being true who else do we want but Jesus you know we, we're coming off of Super Bowl weekend and depending on who you're rooting for it was either good or bad and etc etc cetera, et cetera. you know but it's just as I watched that and I watched the world and what they do, it, it was sad. I mean, it was really sad. I thought the whole day was sad. Well, the whole game. But it, it, it was just sad. Because these people have nothing else. And we have Jesus. And they need Jesus. And then, you know, I, I think what it even said, there was a couple of commercials that just confused things as well. and it, it, The whole thing was sad. But we have Jesus. And may we have the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus who was the incarnate God, who exists, who has existed forever, is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Jesus that came to earth, not necessi- not to wash feet. I mean, he only washed the disciples' feet on the Last Supper. But he came to die for sin. And Jesus spent the majority of his ministry confronting sin and telling people to go and sin no more read John 5 read John 8 and he says that over and over again because he says you know the issue here is not life your way but living life my way and only when you surrender to me and repent of your sin do you have peace in your soul And so, Father, as we think about that, we realize that that is our hope. And again, you know, we we pray for those that are physically ill, you know, and and that are not able to go to a church service maybe today because of that. We pray for those that uh, are physically ill and recovering who are in church services today, and we thank you for that. And we realize as we get older, we all have got something. But we thank you for keeping us going. And, and we, we just pray for your goodness and your grace on behalf of those. And we do pray for dear Joel. Here's a man that you have placed on his heart to care for these children. And we have helped support them and, and sent some money uh, as he has, you know, expanded that orphanage, Emmanuel's, Emmanuel's house, Emmanuel something, in Myanmar. And now he's going to have to leave. But, just pray that you get him safely to India, reunite that family, and protect them. And Lord, in the meantime, we realize you know what our hope is? Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is that someday we'll be with you forever and ever and ever. And as we're singing this good old-fashioned song, you know, may, may that just come, come to mind, Lord. And We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's an old one. Let's stand. How's it going? Yeah, I'm up and sometimes I'm down. Coming forward to carrying me home. But still, my soul is glory bound. Coming forward to carrying me home. That's how we get through it when sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down. So, Lord, we thank you for that, for all of these realities. This is how we live. Now, we want to make sure that this is how we live. So, that's where today's passage of James 3 is so Very important. So help us be honest as we study this to see where am I? And then may we let your spirit speak and may we surrender to your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So take your Bibles and find James chapter 3. James chapter 3, we pick up where we somewhat left off. A little while ago, we, uh, we, uh, we talked about communion, we talked about love, so uh, now we're back to James chapter 3. This is a, uh, my clock disappeared. Hang on, you don't want my clock, oh there it is. You don't want my clock to disappear, trust me. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> if they, if you don't want my heart to disappear. So we we'll come back to James, <clears throat> James, and we'll find ourselves in James chapter 3. We're going to finish this chapter, beginning reading at verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. Who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, and do, not, and do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from, afo- from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace fascinating passage of scripture, very important that James put this right where he put it so as we go through here, I want you to notice, we're going to notice four key features of this passage and the first key feature is really number one, a calling out you notice in your Bible that first phrase of chapter, verse 13 is, who among you is wise and understanding, and it's like asking a question you know, I think it's more of a calling out like, if you claim to be wise and understanding, really? I, okay, let's let's think about that, calling you you who among you who among you is wise and understanding? Okay, let's call you. I get up here and let's find out. It's an important question, especially in the context of James, because what James one of the things James is doing in his book is showing us what true religion is and what true wisdom is and what it is not for example just go back to chapter 1 so this will be our review to kind of get us up to where we are but, but the, th- the great thing about Bible books and, and those of you that have studied for a while know this you need to read the whole book okay this is a letter and as a letter it had no chapter divisions it had no verse connotations it just all flowed together And it's meant to be read that way. And so you understand what James is saying as you understand the entire letter. I think people, a common mistake in Bible study is you just pick one passage and then you let your mind go in a million different directions about that. And and trust me, I've been there, done that. And your mind can go in a million different directions. But the key question is, what did James's original audience understand by what he wrote? That's what God wrote. He communicated it to the original audience and to us, as we have it now recorded for us. But God expects us to realize that and to say, okay, now you've got to go back and figure out how they understood that, not how you want to understand it, how they understood. So what is James doing in the book of James? Chapter 1, he's writing to James as a bondservant. This is the half-brother of Jesus. He's writing to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. So he's writing to a predominantly Jewish congregation. Even though, obviously, as the church grew, you know that that the big deal with the early church was including the Gentiles. So we've got Gentiles and Jews, and they're together. And and you realize the Jewish people were very, very religious. That's why we started with the Shema. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And they have been brought up on that. They They have memorized that. They sung it often. So they they said, yeah, we're we're God. We know who God is. We're following God. And as you go through the book of James, James is saying, really? Prove it. It's got a major point. Not so much what you claim, but what you do. Prove it. For example, verse 2 of chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. What what, what do you do when you hit this huge speed bump in your life? Or you're driving down the road and it's not a pothole. I mean, you fall into a sinkhole. (laughs) And, of course, I've been there, done that. And yesterday was kind of one of those days. It's just like everything I did, I broke this, I did that, Charlene's cooking dinner, she had a pot, I reached above her to put some hot water in the microwave, my hand came down, hit the spoon that was in the pot, so we had sauce everywhere. And that was kind of the way my day went. Now that's minor compared to a lot of things, but you know, when, 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 when things are falling apart around you, what do you do with trials? James really is making the point that if you are a true believer in God, if your religion is legit, you'll count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Well, how in the world do I do that? Because I'm knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And you say, man, I'm confused. <coughs> I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what God is doing. So verse 4 I think where a lot of us are a lot rather verse 5 and if any of you lacks wisdom yeah God I don't get it and what in the world do you want me to do with this (coughs) if any of lacks wisdom let him ask God now when you (coughs) excuse me when you find yourself asking God and I actually told God this this week one of the times I was on the porch I said you know Lord uh, honestly I talk to you a lot you know I'm it, it, not so much a just a regular prayer but oh God help I don't understand this whatever And that's a good sign if, if you're not if you fall into a trial and you're trying to do this on your own and you don't ask God that is also a sign that's also a sign so he's saying look at one of the ways you know you're you're Religion's legit. What do you do with the trial? Number two. Uh, and, and by the way, this is crucial. You say, does my religion really matter? Does it really matter what I worship and how I worship? Yes, it does. Because verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres in the trial. Once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those who love him. In other words, that's eternal life. That's heaven. So if you don't pass these tests, if this is not you, your religion, as he's going to say later, is worthless. So how, how do you how do you deal with trials? And then who do you blame when you are tempted and you sin? A lot of people well, a lot of people blame the devil. Satan made me do it. I got news for you. Satan's got other things to do than make you sin. You're going to sin all by yourself, right? We, we live in the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. That's just going to happen. But there are some people that blame God. But if you're really a lover of God, you're, you're not going to blame God. As he says, let no one say, verse 13, when he is tempted, i being tempted by God. God doesn't do that. We are drawn away when everyone is tempted and carried away, enticed by his own lusts. It's just going to happen. And then you come, you realize, what's my response to the word of God? He says later in chapter 1, verse 21, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that reminds of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. I don't know, well, I can tell you, we we don't have a natural inclination to the word of God. We're not naturally by nature, and we'll see that, well, I might as well do it now, Romans chapter 3, by nature, we don't do that. See, remember how God describes humanity as he looks down at it in in, uh, Romans 3.10. Romans 3.10. It's also in Psalm 14, Psalm 15, 53, etc. God says, there is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. None. We're not interested in his word we're not interested in the true God oh we may want some spiritual thing because we're made in the image of God we want to worship something but it's, we don't want anything to do with the true God because if he actually made us then I have I'm accountable to him and I don't want that I want to be able to do my own thing my own way period so he says there's none who seeks after nobody's interested on their own in the body so When you find yourself all of a sudden wanting to know what God says, to the degree that you put aside all filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, in humility you're receiving the word implanted which is able to save your soul, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. But it goes on from there. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers, You say, okay, yeah, I'm interested. I'll show up to church. I'll listen to sermons. I'll read books or whatever. That's fine. It's good information. I'm still going to do my own thing. He says, if you're just a hearer, verse 22, you delude yourself. And, And this is the tragedy. This ought to break our hearts. There are so many people today that are in this camp. They think they're going to heaven. And They're not. Because they're trying to get there some other way. I don't know how many times I've heard this. It doesn't make any difference who you believe in whatever. We're all going to get to the same place. No, we won't. No, we won't. Remember in Matthew 7, Jesus says there's the broad way and there's the narrow way. He says broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are them that find it. And you know what it says? We well, you know what the sign says over the broad way. It doesn't say, welcome to hell. Who would want to do that? It says, welcome to heaven. The broad way is that you can go to heaven any way you want. We're all going to get there anyway. You know, it, it's hard. I, I, was, I was doing a funeral that I had very specific instructions about what I could say and not say, which is kind of weird. I don't know whether I'd even do that today, but I remember they were there, and they were all saying, all different groups, all different beliefs, saying, oh, we're all going to be there together, you know, and I wanted to say, no, we won't, but I didn't at that point. Anyway, you're deluding yourself. It's not being a hearer, it's being a doer. It's being a doer. Verse 25, you look intently at the law of God and you abide by it, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man shall be blessed in what he does. And it's not that we're perfect at it, but it's like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. You know, and I told you over and over, I'm reading through the scriptures and I read a passage and I go, "Uh uh-oh, Lord, I haven't done that. Or, "Uh uh-oh, Lord, I'm doing this. Help me. I don't want to do that. And yes, I I want all these things, and that's how it goes. But then he goes on. Look at verse 26 of chapter 1. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, hey, I'm following God, I believe in God, all this is great, and yet does not bridle his tongue, deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. James is addressing very religious people, some of whom, some of whose religion was worthless. Oh, they said they believed this and the other thing, but their life didn't back it up. Chapter 2, he says, you know, if you hold personal favoritism, you know what you have done? Chapter 2, verse 4, you have made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil motives. What should you be doing? Verse 8. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. True religion. If God is in there, you will be making an effort at least to love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to be making distinctions for the rich people and the people that can please you and giving them special attention and ignoring everybody else. That's not true religion. And then at the end of chapter 2, he says, You know what? Yeah, you believe in God, but you've got no works to back it up. And just in case you haven't got the memo yet, he says, so What use is it, my brother, in verse 14? If a man says he has faith but has no works, can that faith save him? And the answer is no. No. Do you not know, verse 17, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself? Now someone may well say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. <laughs> verse 19, you believe that God is one, hey, you do well. And that's what just about everybody in this congregation would have been saying. Now we believe God is one, but look at it. if you can't control your tongue, you won't control your tongue. If you're showing faith, favoritism if, if you're not obeying the word of God if if you're blaming God for your you know if you're doing all of that he says you do well but you know the demons also believe in shudder in essence big deal are you not are you willing to recognize you foolish fellow that faith without works is useless your religion is vain your religion is is uh, worthless. You are deluding yourselves. Your belief in God, if it's not backed up by works and following the word of God, is useless. Then he comes to chapter 3. He says, here's another test for you. What comes out of your mouth? We remember that in Matthew 15, uh, verse 18, Jesus says that the heart, the mouth speaks from the heart. Your mouth will betray you. Maybe not all the time, because if we're with certain companies, we can watch our lips. I mean, we can actually watch our behavior. It's what are you in private? What what are you, when when you don't have time to plan a response, what's your reaction? Oh, my goodness, sometimes that is so convicting because you say, oh, my goodness, Lord. I would have liked to have responded this way, but this is how I reacted. You are showing me the condition of my heart. And he's saying if, if bad things are coming out of your, your mouth, you're in trouble. You go, for example, you go to verse 9. It says, with our mouth we blessed our Lord and Father. Oh, we're there singing songs in church. And yeah, praise the Lord and glory, hallelujah. And with it also we are cursing men making distinctions as he said was showing favoritism in chapter 2 verse 4 without justice and, and we're putting them down and we're saying all kinds of evil things about them it says verse 10 of chapter 3 from the same mouth come forth blessing and cursings. and then he, and this is this is key to get my brethren you who I am addressing who claim to be worshiping God these things are Ought not to be this way, because if you are truly redeemed, they won't be. At least they won't be like they were before. You will be working on that. He says, "As a fountain send out the same from the same opening, both fresh and bitter water." Verse eleven. No. And can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. What he is saying is an unregenerate person cannot do what is right. Oh, and they're not all as bad as they could be, but but they're not. They can't do that because that's not their nature. All right. So just hang on to that thought. Here we go. So now he picks up the same theme when he gets to verse thirteen of chapter three, and he's looking at them. Says, go ahead. Who among you is wise? and has understanding, get up here and let's see. I, I think it's easier calling them out. Let's see if your religion is really legit. And then he gives them a challenge. You verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding? Now, he, man, he's been doing that throughout the book. Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Wow. You say you have this great wisdom. And in the Greek word for wisdom, it's an adjective there at the beginning of verse 1. It's a noun at the end. And it basically means knowing how to look at a situation in life and figure out what's the right thing to do. Ellicott says what he's talking about is wisdom of God wisdom of knowing God, because he's addressing those within the church. If you claim to be religious, if you claim to be a Christian, oh yeah, let's prove it. Get up here and let's see what your life is like. Show me by your behavior your deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. And you see how it's the theme of the book? It's what he's been saying for three chapters. Now, that word gentleness for those of you with the ESV translation, and, and I would actually use it, but the one I've got has it in paragraph form, and it's hard to teach from because you're always looking for verses. Such happens at Bible study when somebody reads a verse, and I, I realize what they're doing because it's in a chapter. Okay, where is it? And it's hard to find. But, but the word for gentleness is, is actually the Greek word uh, proutes which is an interesting word, better translated meekness. All right, now this is important. Prutase, according to Aristotle, and it's a Greek word, so we'll go Greek. According to Aristotle, is the middle course in being angry. Wow, what has that got to do with what we'll watch? Proutes is this, it's just translated that... Uh, What did I say it was? It escaped me. Uh, Meekness is is the middle course in being angry. Standing between two extremes. Stream number one, getting angry without reason. And number two, not getting angry at all. Therefore, Prutase is getting angry at the right time, in the right measure, and for the right reason. This is Aristotle. Prutes is not readily expressed in English since the term meekness suggests weakness. But prutes is a condition of mind and heart which demonstrates gentleness not in weakness but in power. That's why some have translated meekness power under control. And you think of Jesus. Jesus was, was actually very mild for a lot. Except when he was confronting his own religious leaders in, in, in people, he did it in a loving way, but he was very upfront. And they remember he cleaned out the temple twice with a whip and, and drove them out. He was angry at that time for the right reason, the right place. He had great wisdom in that. And what James is saying is if you claim to have this wisdom and understanding and following God, let's prove it by your life. Let's see how what you get upset about and let's see what you don't get upset about. Let's see how you deal with situations. Wisdom. And then he gives an explanation to that. But, okay, so now if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to have wisdom and understanding, then get up in the show me. But he says, look at this. If you have, verse 14, bitter jealousy, envies, contentions, rivalry, if, if you have jealousy and selfish ambition, the group, the word denotes unruly, selfish, factious, it's you. That's our world. It's all about you. Whenever I hear that song, and actually, I like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. I said, yeah, really? And you know where that way is going to lead you? If that's in your heart, into verse 14, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. That's not a Christian. That's not a Christian. This wisdom, verse 15, is not that which comes down from above. I mean, how clear does it have to be? This is not from God. God's not about jealousy and selfish ambition. Where does this come from? This is earthly Natural, demonic, demonic, arrogant, demonic. You realize, well then, verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. You know why that lies against the truth? Because you are claiming to be a regenerate person, and you are not. This is... What unregeneration looks like, because this is the way we were born. You know Ephesians two, and I, well, you know you know this. Ephesians two one through three, you were dead. He's writing to the believers now, but he says before you came to Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So that is every unbeliever in this world. I don't care what they look like what they sound like, how nice they may be, and I have unbeliever friends that are very nice to me, but they're dead in their trespasses and sins. In which you formerly walked, (coughs) see that's the key, you formerly walked in the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience and among them you too all formerly lived in the lust of your flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind you were by nature children of wrath even as the rest this is what you are by nature remember what Paul said in Romans 3 well we saw a part of Romans 3 he says you know really that there's none righteous no not one there's none seeking after God yeah verse 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yeah, and that's the way it looks. Jealousy, arrogance—I don't—I I want what I want, and I don't care what I have to do to you to get. Boy, that sounds like hard work. Paul in Romans one. Let me read you the description he gives. Verse twenty-eight in Romans one, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, so God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. That's the flesh. Uh, you know, thank God that not everybody is as bad as they could be, right? Right? I mean, it, 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 I always marvel as I look at the world or read the news, or read the news? Yeah, I guess you read the news. Listen to the news. You know, we all marvel at how bad it is. I marvel at how it's not worse. Because if that's people naturally, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you for your restraining grace. And it's not as bad as it could be. But the deeds of the flesh are still serious. The deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, infity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. That's who we are by nature. But now watch what James says after he gives you that startling description. Look what he says next in James 3, verse 17. but Wisdom from above. True religion. Truly knowing God and the key is that God knows you. So when you die and stand before him, he says, welcome into the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Welcome, son and daughter. I was telling Amy, I just finished reading Chronicles in Arnia. It took me 72 years, but I finally (laughs) got there. and, And it's like, It's like Aslan saying, welcome, son of Adam, daughter of Adam, or uh, daughter of Eve. I mean, welcome. That's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear. So this wisdom from above, what is it? Pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. The hypocrisy is... Yeah, I believe in God, and I'm going to church, and I do all those things, and I'm good, but no, no, no. If your life is filled with selfish ambition, jealousy, you know, you got uh, disorder, every evil thing, no, 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 no. True religion is without hypocrisy. It means we will be readily to confess, I'm not perfect, and I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. This is, the, this is what God is taking me down. This is what He has done. You know, that's why I love Romans 8.13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. You must die. And that's eternal death. And it's not death because it's in hell forever and ever where you're alive in torment. But that is never described as life. It's described you don't cease to exist. Which is still one of the most frightening thoughts when I read that is that unbelievers will be in an eternal hell in conscious torment forever. Oh my goodness, Lord, save them, right? What was I saying? I got got sidetracked. Dear, help me, what was I going to say next? Um, What? Hypocrisy, Hypocrisy. exactly. So the reason this is not hypocritical is of verse 18. The seed whose fruit is righteousness, which would be your life. Oh, I know. See, it's not that we're perfect at it, but we're working towards it. Romans 8. So the deeds, if you will live according to the deeds of flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death, it's a present tense, the deeds of the flesh, you will live. It's called sanctification. You've heard that word. It just means I'm becoming what I am. I'm becoming what I am. God has adopted me. He has adopted every children. I said this years ago. We were still in the schoolhouse. Suppose, suppose that, that, that you're on Skid Row or wherever it is, and, and you're just a mess. You're really on death's doorstep. You haven't had a ba- bath in a year. You haven't maybe eaten in weeks. You're just, you know, you're just, you're just a mess. OK, you got the picture? And this guy drives around. I always said in a Bentley. But for me, he comes in his Ferrari. He comes in his red Ferrari, and he stops, and he says, you, get in the car. And you say, really? Have you smelled me lately? This is a nice car. Get in the car. I want you. I'm going to take you home. I'm going to clean you up, and you're going to be my son. And you say, really? I get all of this? Yeah. Yeah. And then he he takes you home and he gives you a bath and he cuts your hair and and you do all that. But then you you realize as as you're enjoying all that, you know, the street still kind of calls me. And every once in a while, you know, I I kind of backslide a little bit. And then he comes and he says, okay, that's good. Higgs me out of the hole, bails me out of jail, whatever, says, you know, that was not right. And I said, I know, help me. I mean, that's the process of sanctification. We're becoming who we are. And if you're doing that, James says, you are sowing the seed of righteousness that would have sown in peace by those who make peace. Who is it that makes peace? It's not those in the flesh. Because that was was where jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, and every evil thing happens. Those that make peace, as Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall, and I get this wrong every time, there's inherit the earth, see God, I forget exactly which one this is. So I I ought to read it, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God awesome, because that's who you are. That's who you are. You know how this happens, so here we go. What do I do with all of this? First of all, where am I? Okay, I profess to be wise and understand God, and and God would say, okay, get up here, let's see. Let's take a look at your life. If you see that your life is predominantly uh, (coughs) characterized by jealousy, selfish ambition, then you're in arrogance, you're lying against the truth but if you see predominantly in my life, it's what I want to do, is first pure, peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, I'm seeking peace. And yeah, God is in there because that's him working it out in you. Think about this. As you study your Bible, is God ever portrayed as having bitter jealousy, selfish ambition? Is God ever portrayed as as, uh, disorderly and doing every evil thing? Never. Is God portrayed by being pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy, seeking peace always? So if you're doing that, guess what it means? God is in you. I want you to take a look at 1 John 3. 1 John chapter 3 and John picks up the same theme in 1 John 3 he's showing us who the children of Satan are and who the children of God are in verse 9 he says no one who is born of God practices, that's the key word practices sin why? why? Because his seed, the word is sperma, Greek word, abides in him. So he cannot sin because he's been born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Everyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. James would say, yeah, yeah. And those who claim to be wise and have understanding, and yet they're full of selfish ambition, ambition, all of that, that's not God. That is demonic. That's from Satan. But those who have a life characterized or hid in the direction of purity, peaceful, gentleness, reasonable, mercy, peacefulness, that's of God. Say, well, how, how does that happen? And this is key. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. Thank God for this verse. Oh my goodness. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him, to him is Christ. You also, Christians, the, the believers at Ephesus, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, after hearing about your miserable condition, After hearing about the love of God, the love of Jesus, sending Christ to die on a cross to bury your sin, to die, be buried, rise again the third day, believing in him, the gospel of yourself, having believed in him, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit promise. That's the seed. God puts that seed within you. In Romans 8, 28, we know all things are working together for good. For those who love God are called according to his purpose. Why? That's the way the Spirit is praying in verse 26. And what's that purpose? That we may be conformed to the image of his Son. Verse 29, he's cleaning us up. And so the key is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit at work in us. And what James is saying, just prove it. Let's see the Spirit in you. And like I said, it won't be there perfect, but it will be there. So, let's end with this. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 3. So, what do I do with all this? Well, you want to walk in the Spirit. <laughs> so, I told you to go to Hebrews 3. Go to Hebrews 3, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Because the flesh sits against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, so you do not do the things that you want to do. But if I walk in the spirit, guess what? God is going to do have victories in my life. And we're not going to be perfect at it, but we're going to say, oh my goodness, look at that. How did I do that? And I think we all know ourselves well enough to say that really wasn't me. I would have done something completely different. God did that through me. That is just so exciting, refreshing, (coughs) encouraging. When you see God producing in you more and more and more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that's what's happening. So what do we do? Let's end in Hebrews 3. Verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You read that passage of James 3, 13 to 18. What is God saying to you? If he's saying, you know what? You're a hypocrite. You keep showing up and all this, but, but you don't have true wisdom and you don't have true understanding. Look at your life. The Spirit is saying that But God is saying, don't harden your heart. Believe. Say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. Confess. You know what the word confess means? To say the same thing. And what you're confessing is, God, in your eyes, this is wrong. It's like David in Psalm 51.3 said, Against thee and thee only have I done what is evil in your sight. It's after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. He says, that was wrong. God doesn't want excuses. He doesn't want explanations. He doesn't want, he just wants to say, look at what did you do? And was that right or wrong? And we said, God, I was wrong. But you know, I believe the story about Jesus. It's not a story, it's truth. And I received it. You know, I love that thing in Luke 18, where, 13. Where the tax gatherer falls on his face and says, Oh God, be merciful to me, the sinner. You know what Jesus said? That man went home justified. So the first thing you do is say, Lord, have you saved me? Am I even in the family? And if I'm not, here I am. Say, I am. Now what happens? Verse 12. Take care, brethren, lest there should be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. Now, I think predominantly that means, look, at you're hearing this, don't, don't turn your back and fall away. Don't close off your heart. Verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. I think basically while you are still breathing, lest any one of you should be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, as I got to the end of this, I realized there's two options here. If my life is marked by the bad stuff of James 3, it's either because I'm not a believer at all, and so that can't happen, really. Or, I am a Christian, and I'm walking in the flesh, and I'm disobedient. It's a dangerous place to be, because God will chasten you. Hebrews 12, he disciplines those he loves. So either or, we say, we come back and say, God, I'm wrong, you're right, help me do this your way. And when we do, that's when God works in us and we can have true wisdom and we can have true understanding. So I want to end where we begin. We want to praise the Lord. And I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate because he has saved me. And because he's cleaning me up to be more like his son. So I fit more in the Ferrari than I do on the street. He's given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands, truth, are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Father, that's what we want. We want that to be true of us. And again, no matter where we are today, if we are hearing your voice, we come and we ask you to save us. We ask you again, Lord, restore my soul. As the good shepherd does, he restores our soul and leads us in the path of unrighteousness. God, I've gotten off track again. You know, for some bizarre reason, Lord, I got out of the Ferrari and I went back to the street. And I'm so thankful that you come looking for me You clean me up and we go again. And this time, I'm a little longer in the Ferrari than I was. And it gets longer and longer and longer until we get to heaven and we never get out. God, may that be true of us. But we know the Spirit is the key to all of this. So as we think on these things, may this last song truly be the prayer of our heart. the answer is listening to your spirit speak to us not hardening our heart but allowing you to melt us of our own from our own way mold us into your image to fill us and to be filled is to be controlled by to be controlled by your spirit as we walk in the spirit as we read your word as we pray to you as we endeavor to follow what you say you give us the ability to do that you change us so lord that's what we want as we read james 3 13 through 18 we realize we need a renewed sense of that because none of us is perfect so lord as we live as we live and as we leave
2: may we remember these words and may this week be better than last week.